0: My name is Matt, and we're going to continue this series called I Need a Miracle. Who needs a miracle in the room? Awesome. We kicked it off by right over here uh, talking about what are miracles that we actually need in our life, and we wrote them down. Now, if you're here this morning and you would kind of say, man, I don't really know what we're doing over here, pay attention today. I'm going to, I'm going to speak to it. But also if you're here and you look around today and you're like, man, I don't really know a lot of these folks. I, I mean, I know a couple, but I don't, I don't really know a lot of people. Or if you look around and you're like, I'd like to get involved in ministry, but I don't know how to get involved. Like, I'd like to serve. I don't, I mean, I, I want to, but I don't know how to. I want to invite you to attend our next City Walk class. City Walk happens on the last Sunday of the month, and it is geared for those of you who are calling this place home, but yet there are certain things that you haven't yet figured out. So all you have to do is take this out and register. The reason we want you to register is because we're going to feed you, and we're going to take care of your kids during this class, okay? So we're going to feed you, and we're going to take care of of your kids, so we need to know that you're coming. It's the last Sunday of the month, I believe that's uh, the 29th of this month, right after our second service, so it starts about 1245, and we go on from there. But man, I'd love for you to join with us and discover uh, how you can best get connected. It's your next best step. Today we're going to continue this series, I Need a Miracle, and uh, I'm going to give you the title of the message, and then I'm going to walk us through it, okay? The title of today's message is, I Need a Miracle, dot, 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 no you don't. Right, we now some of you here. You need a miracle. There are things that if it doesn't happen, uh, then you're just toast. Right? There's things that you have absolutely zero control over, and so yes, we have several in the room. And you already raised your hands that yes, I need a miracle. However. I told you that if you folded your piece of paper and and, and made it where people couldn't read it, nobody would. We weren't going to pry and spy on what you wrote on Resurrection Sunday. But if you wrote something up there and made it where I can see it, I'm completely nosy, right? I'm going to go read them. And a lot of those things, being honest with you, are things that I would go, I don't know if that's a miracle there or if that's just maybe a step of obedience and towards something. And so today I want to talk to you about two perspectives that we often see in Scripture, man's perspective and what would be the other one? God's perspective. Now, I woke up this morning at 2 a.m. with this thought. How many of you guys do very much? Any any public speakers in the room? Okay, a few of you. Okay. I woke up in the middle of the night thinking this. My sermon is completely backwards, so we're going to go in reverse this morning, all right? Like, like, we're not changing the content, but we're going to go backwards, right? Like, I had a, it was a sign, right? So if you take your insert in the back, and right at the top it says three biblical types of conver, uh, correction. I want you to write the number one above that. That's where we're going to start this morning. And then on the front side, you see Mark 6, right there in the middle, Mark chapter 6 in blue ink. Put a 2 above that one. And then right above Exodus 14, 13, write the number 3. That way you kind of know where we're going. And I've really messed with the tech people this morning, so just hang on, all right? So I want to start this morning by giving you three examples of biblical correction. God corrects people throughout the scriptures in different ways, in a specific order. I want to give those to you first, because we're going to build upon that this morning. Number one is this, revelation. Revelation. A revelation is when God shows you something that you did not yet know or you didn't understand it or oh wow like it's even like you had heard it a thousand times but all of a sudden it just clicks. You ever had that happen? That's a revelation where God shows you something that you did not know and there you have a chance to kind of shift your life to the things that God's doing. But any hard-headed people in the room. Yes, right? And so we don't typically always get that revelation. So God has a second type of correction and that is admonishment. It sounds like a harsh word, admonishment. But this is simply where God provides a gentle correction, a gentle correction. It doesn't mean that it's pain-free. It doesn't mean that it's not frustrating, but it is a correction. Hey, you're going the wrong direction, buddy. And he admonishes you. Anybody have a coach when you were in high school or college that would come grab you by the shoulder pads or grab you by the jersey and pull you over and get in your ear because you just couldn't catch the revelation that he had drawn up in the timeout? Yeah, sometimes God has to grab us and get in our ear and say, hey, I was talking to you. Now, sometimes we still don't get it, right? And we're just kind of rebellious. And this gets to the third one. And the third one is this, a rebuke. A rebuke. A rebuke is when God gives a harsh, harsh correction. Or God gives you a harsh correction. Man, that doesn't sound like God. I thought God was all loving, well, remember when Peter said, God, G, he's talking to Jesus, Peter, one of the twelve, one of the top three of the 12 disciples, uh, Jesus' go to disciple. Peter gets in front of Jesus and says, You're not going to do that. I will not let you die. And what does Jesus say in response? Get behind me, Satan. That's a rebuke. Like, you're in the way between what God has put me on this planet to do, what the Father has asked me to do, and you're in the way. And uh, listen, no time for revelation, no time for admonishment, buddy. You're getting rebuked to harsh. Jesus called somebody Satan. Not very nice was it? All right? This morning we're going to build on that and you're like, "Well, I don't man, I don't I don't I don't know if I like this God corrects. Um has anybody here ever had kids or had people report to you? Any leadership at all in your life? This week I've been replacing a fence around my home and um tearing down the old fence, putting up the new one. And so when I tear down the old planks, because I'm trying to get through this as fast as I can, I don't bend every nail over from the old planks. So there's all this old fencing laying on the ground with old rusty nails sticking up. You get that picture? And my son has this condition where he can't keep his shoes on. All right? Maybe your kids have this. Right? Actually, uh, this morning, Curtis, Lorelai, was running to Kid City barefoot. And I put on my Curtis hat and said, Lorelai, get your honey over there and get your shoes and socks on. She listened. I was kind of impressed. So... Um, <laughs> That she listened to me. Um, but, um, but Luke is outside, and I see him over in, our, in a dirt pile that he loves to play in with all of these planks and nails around, and I notice he doesn't have shoes on, right? And so skin versus rusty nail, what wins? Yeah, rusty nail. And by the way, I'm trying to get a fence done. I don't have time to go to the ER. I'm busy, right? It's all about me. Okay, so I'm like, Luke, hey, buddy, out of that, go get your shoes on. I'm not t- you can play, but I just want you to get your shoes on, right? I go back to hammering and cutting and sawing and all these things. I look up. He's still there. Still no shoes on. <laughs> Luke, do your ears work. This is my parenting. Point to your ears. Go get your shoes on. And he just kind of sits there. And I said, Luke, if I have to tell you one more time, I'm going to spank your butt. Now, some of you go, oh, my gosh, you spank your kids. Yes, at times, all right? If you can write me a letter, and I'll walk you through it, all right? And I said, I said, if I have to tell you one more time. And he goes in there, and he gets this, you know, comes back out. He's got his shoes on, right? i like, good. So I'm going, going, go going. Day goes on. About an hour and a half later, I look over, and he's back out there again. And now his shoes are off. And I said, Luke Miller, get over here to me right now. And, oh, my goodness, he remembers. And he said, I forgot. And I said, well, I'm going to help you create a memory. (laughs) That's what I said. And I gave him two little pops. And I said, go get your shoes on, and you can come play. Now, was I a bad dad? Is it because I don't like my son? It's because I don't want him to get hurt when there's danger around. Right? And so if you're in the room today, God might be trying to reveal to you, hey, there's nails in your life. Be careful. Go get your shoes on. Or he may have already told you that. And so he's like, hey, listen to what Pastor Matt is saying to you today through the word because I'm trying to get your attention because I know what happens on the third one. I don't want to have to spank you, but I love you enough to put you in the corner if you need to be put in the corner. The corner works best with Luke than anything else. I just didn't have time to go inside. I was getting work done, right? Right? Spare the corner, spoil your child. That's my my scripture, right? But we do those things, and God does those things, not out of hatred, not out of, like, not liking us. It's because he wants what's best for you. And if you think that God loves you too much not to rebuke you, you have bad theology. God loves you so much that he will make you uncomfortable because he wants you to do good in life, and he doesn't want you to walk around with rusty nails in your feet. So... Here's the thing, if you feel any type of discipline or like, ugh, this morning, it's because the Father loves you and he's like, listen, I want you to go get your shoes on. Is that fair? That's what we're going to talk about. So let's turn the page over and let's continue to work up. Let's start in Mark chapter 6. I'm going to give you two scriptures this morning, one from the Old Testament, one from the New. And uh, they're both going to focus on two perspectives, God's perspective and man's perspective. And they're both fairly known. Like if you've been in church for some time, you might know both of these stories. But we're just going to look for some biblical truths in both of these. In Mark chapter 6 is where Jesus feeds 5,000 people with just a little bit of food, all right? One of his miracles that he did. But let's look at this, and let's look and see if we can identify two perspectives, the disciples' perspective, and then also Jesus', God's perspective. So here we go, Mark chapter 6, verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so Jesus had been teaching and doing a lot of cool things. It was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place. Hey, we're out in the middle of nowhere. And it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now, somewhere on your outline, I'd like for you to write this. This is logical. Have the disciples said anything sin-related? These people have been here all day. We're out in nowhere, Kansas, right? There's no Taco Bell around. We need to send them home because, man, they're just, you know how grumpy people get when they're hungry, right? And so, like, it's logical to say, we have nothing here. Let's get them home. Jesus, right? They come to Jesus. Jesus, send them away. They'll listen to you. It's very logical. Sometimes the things that you bring to God are logical. Sometimes the things your prayer request, your, your miracle that you wrote on the board, it's logical. It makes sense. It's not sin. It's not evil. It's not rebellion. It just makes sense. God, it would be great if you did this for me. Wow, it would make our life so much easier if you would just do this. Send them away. But look how Jesus answers. Next thing he says, but Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. Next to that, right, illogical. This makes no sense. All of these people, there's no food, and they say, hey, send them away. Logical, let them get some food and some rest. And Jesus says, no, 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 guys, you give them something to eat. This is my biblical foundation for my three favorite letters in all the alphabet. I actually taught these to my nine-year-old last night. My three favorite letters in the alphabet are F I O. Does anybody know what F I O stands for? See, you guys listen really well. It stands for figure it out. Now, men, I've got the tattoo and the t shirt for this one. Don't say it to your wife. It's not the, it's not the best look, right, Jen? Like, Jen knows this. She's in the back there. It's not a good look to say to your wife when she asks you a question Hey, babe, F I O. Yeah. You'll be figuring out. You'll be figuring out where you're going to sleep. <laughs> She'll be figuring out, right? FIO. FIO is when Jesus says here, Hey, guys, you feed them. You feed them. You figure it out. Now, notice their response. They said to Jesus, That would take more than a half of years' wages. Right? Like some, here. Follow me. Sometimes we ask God to do the logical thing in our life, and the response back is, No, you figure it out. And we go, again, with reality... Uh I can't. That would take like a half a year's salary. Or we say things like I've got a record. Or we say things like I've been divorced. Or we say things like I don't have any money or I don't have a degree or I'm not talented enough. I'm too old, I'm too young. I have this, I have that. And so we ask God a logical question. He in return says, "No, you figure it out." And then we come back again with the reality, "Have you seen my bank account?" Have you seen my resume? Have you seen my life? Like, I, God, I don't have the best marks. Notice what he happens next. You give them something to eat. He said, take a bunch of money. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them? And then notice the question Jesus asked them. How many loaves do you have? And then what does he say next? Three words. Now, why does he say that? Because here's what we do. When God, when you ask God a logical prayer request, and He comes back at you with "Hey, figure it out," and you say "I can," and you tell Him all the reasons why, and when He asks you "What do you got?" we talk philosophical mumbo jumbo. We don't ever give Him the truth. We give Him what we think. We give Him what we think. We give Him what seems best to us. And and we just because we don't because you don't. Here's the thing: I was talking to one of our leaders this morning about this. You don't see yourself properly. You see yourself on how the mirror reflects you. You don't see yourself how God sees you. You've got a jacked up view of who you are. God looks at a person because when Jesus says, you figure it out, he's trusting that these men can figure it out. But the men look at the reflection. They see the reality. They're like, well, I can't figure this out. Look Look at my life. And see, you typically have a poor view of who you are in God's eyes. See, God sees much more in you than what you see. And that's why God says Jesus says to these men he says go and see. Like guys, I want facts. I want the truth. I don't want what you think. I don't I want I want to know what you've got. And they come back and they say here's what we got. We got 5 loaves and we got two fish. And there's 5000 men here, not counting the wives and the kids. So do the math. There's a lot of there's like eight maybe 8 to 10,000 people here, maybe more than that. We got Jesus, woo hoo, Jesus, five loaves and two fish. I love this. Taking the five loaves and the two fish. See, there is a point when Jesus tells you to figure it out that he says, Give me what you have. He takes, he takes you. He takes your resume. He takes your talent, he takes your finances, he takes whatever it is that you have, and he says, give it to me. You can't do it without Jesus. When Jesus gets his perspective into our context, we pray logically, he asks us to do something illogically, you figure it out. We say, Jesus, here's the reality, we can't. In that moment, you are in a a crisis of belief where Jesus is inviting you into a, a, a relationship with him that is going to cause you to have faith in action. We miss this sometimes. When God invites you into a relationship with himself, into a moment, it's going to require faith and action. Bring me what you've got. Five loaves, two fish, and Jesus takes them, and he blesses them and then he breaks them, and then he gives the fish to them all. And I love this line. Let's see if we can find it on the screens. They all ate and were still hungry. They all ate and were were satisfied because the disciples gave the little they had to the man who could make it happen. Church, here's the thing. You are the one that God invites into different opportunities and different environments for your faith and action to grow up as he asks you to do something that you can't do on yourself. You're asking God for a miracle and his perspective is, hey, you figure it out. But God, I can't. There's no way that she ever would or that I could ever or whatever. And he says, what do you have? Bring it back to me. And he takes it and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he gives it away, and then everybody is satisfied. And you see how the story ends? There's leftovers. Explain that. There's leftovers. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten were around 5,000 people. Now, down here at the bottom, I made up a word. It's prayer wine. Not like the wine you drink, like the wine when you're whining. Prayer whine. Prayer whine is this. When one whines about what Jesus is saying while convincing themselves it's prayer. Some of you have been prayer whining for too long. You've been taking your request to Jesus and in return in his own way he's been communicating back to you. Figure it out. And what do you do instead of responding in faith and action? You prayer whine. And you pray your wine, and you pray your wine, and you pray your wine, and you keep complaining, and your prayer has become simply this not talking to God. Your prayer has become about how God would adjust His will to make your life better. And that is not what God does. God invites us into His story, He invites us into what He's already doing, and we adjust our life to Him. He doesn't adjust His life to us. This morning, we're going to give you an opportunity in a moment to stop prayer whining and come and kneel before the Father and say, I hear you. What do you want me to do? This is what I've got. Let's look at Old Testament story. Famous one. Famous Old Testament story where Moses has rescued the Israelites from Egypt. Pharaoh, in a moment of weakness, has letting them go. And then his heart's gotten hard again, and he's like, send the troops after them. And so, man, all the horses and the chariots, here they come after the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel are in a pickle. They're actually not even in a nation yet. The Israelites are in a pickle because behind them you have a bunch of angry guys and chariots and horses with spears. And in front of them they have the big, deep Red Sea. And they're freaking out. You ever lost your head on something? You ever feel like you're being squeezed where there's enemy behind and danger in front? You ever feel like that, like there's no there's no escape, there's no hope, right? Maybe you feel that way even right now about something in your life. And in this moment, the people look to their leader Moses and they start complaining. And they start saying, why did you take us out of Egypt? You could have just left us there as slaves, we could have been fed, we would have had houses, we would have, we'd have had to work hard, but we wouldn't have been dead. And Moses does this, now... I'm going to show you what it says, but I want you to notice the scriptures. We're going to be in Exodus 14, and we're going to first talk about Moses' Moses's perspective in verses 13 and 14, and then the immediate next verse, 15, is God. So there's no, there's no like time lapse here. I want you to notice how quick this happens and what it might say to you this morning. So they're in trouble, right? Here come the, the Egyptians pressing down on them. Moses answered the people, Hey, guys, everybody, woo, look at me. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see coming down that hill, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. What's those last six letters or words? You need only to be still. Moses says this. Hey guys, God's about to show up so big in your life. He's gonna do all the heavy lifting. He's gonna do some major things. All you need to do, is get hold, let's hold hands. Let's circle the room. Hold hands, and we're gonna pray. Right, and, I, and I'm gonna start. And uh, Clay, when you feel like we're done, you just wrap us up, okay? And we're gonna pray, and we're gonna get real still because there's that verses. Be still, know that I am God. And we're gonna just sit, and we're not gonna do anything. And you watch what God's about to do. He's about to blow those suckers up. Verse 14. The very next one. Verse 15. Look what God says. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Why are you praying?" Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to what? Move on. Guys, woo! They're coming. Why, why are you what are you doing? Even the best of us, the most spiritual of us, like Moses, oftentimes say, "Hey, we're not going to do anything. We're going to stand right here and we're just going to be really still." And God says, somebody needs to say amen. That's what God says too. He says, somebody say amen and close up this prayer thing because we got move, We got to go. We got to go. Like sometimes somebody's got to say, hey, uh, guys, how about we stop praying and how about we put it, our faith into action what we're asking us to do, what God's asking us to do. Now, they didn't know. I mean, you know the story. There's a huge step of faith that Israelites take. Moses steps up to the Red Sea and he goes, all right. Sticks out the staff. The waters part. And they begin to walk through. Now, if you're walking through a big wall of water on both sides, does that take a little bit of courage? I would walk really fast. <laughs> I probably would run. Yeah, I'd, I'd be doing the scoot. I'd be doing the speed walking, right? Like, I'm moving, knocking old people over. Like, I don't care. Like, I got to get out of here, right? Man, here's my invitation. Whether you're a person who is saying, I can't, Jesus, what you're asking me to do is illogical, or you're someone who is trapped in the analysis of paralysis, man, some of you, you need a miracle. Some of you, you're, you, like what you're asking for, God has to show up. But there's a lot of us in this room that you need to move. You need to step into your crisis of belief. You need to step into what God has been whispering to you, saying to you, shouting at you. It's time to move. And I have discovered in my own personal journey that the best time to do that, the best way to do that, is to align my heart mind and so my spiritual posture with that of Jesus's and the way I do that is I pray and when I pray I tell the Lord I got you and I've been hard-headed and I've been rebellious but I am willing to align myself with what you're doing and I will move and if you don't think that next part is scary what happens when you quit praying then you've never done this before but I'll tell you what the disciples saw. The disciples saw a whole lot of people eat from their little. And the Israelites got to do something that nobody else, best of my knowledge, has ever got to do. And that all resulted because of a crazy act of faith because God said, move. I'm going to ask Curtis to come up. And um, we're going to do our best to create this moment for you today to respond. And we're going to do an old Switchfoot song called I Dare You to Move. You guys remember that song? Yeah. So Curtis, man, he's going to do this over us this morning. And really, why we want why we want to do this is to give you a step of movement. We have altars up here, and um, imagine this morning this altar is a first step of moving towards your miracle. If you look there at your insert, I gave you these two lines: Are you waiting on a miracle to move you, or are you moving into your miracle? Some of you are waiting on a miracle to move you. You're waiting for God to show up and then you're going to move. But God's like, man, if you will move, I'm going to show up so big. Once, if you just take that step and get over your fear, get over your criticism, get over your whatever the obstacle is that's keeping you from trusting me, if you will just move, right, you're going to see me show up in your life. This past Sunday night, we started our intentional prayer gathering. If you're in the room and you're a part of that, I'd love for you to stand up one more time, just real quick, so we kind of have some faces. If you're a part of that prayer gathering, just so you guys can look around at not standing. These are people who have been praying over us over the last week. You guys can sit down. We had several show up at Shawnee and Edgerton uh, this past Sunday, and I have talked to almost all of you that came to be prayed for because I've been curious. 100% that I have spoken to When I've asked, what was that like for you? And by the way, the people I ask, very few of them are people that typically come to those type of things. There are people that are maybe like, I don't really know. 100% of those people have used words like fantastic, amazing, like nothing I've ever experienced. Tonight, I wanna invite you back. We're gonna go from 5 to 6.30, okay? Here's what happens. If you weren't here last week to hear the sales pitch. It's not what you might think it is on a prayer gathering. You're going to walk into the lobby and somebody's going to give you a card and you're going to write your name on that card and you're going to write what you need prayer for. If you write, I just need prayer, they're going to hand you that card back and say, nope, try again. Like we want you to be specific as you can. You're going to turn that card in, then they're going to hand you an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, and you're going to bring it in here. And there's going to be music playing, and on this piece of paper, there's a lot of scriptures for you to read and kind of soak in, just on your own time, about 20 minutes of that, just reading and reflecting and praying on your own. And then about 20 minutes in, somebody's going to come and tap you on the shoulder, and they're going to say, hey, can I pray for you? And you're probably going to say, yeah, that's why I came here. And they're going to take you over to a set of chairs, and maybe with another leader or a friend that you have, and they're going to begin to pray for what you wrote on that paper. And I, based on last Sunday, will be bold enough this Sunday to say, you will be grateful and thankful that you came. And God will show up in your life. I see heads nodding yes that we're here on Sunday night. You will be encouraged, you will be inspired, and you will be uh, thankful for what God is doing through that prayer ministry into your life. Now, why do I bring that up right here before we go to this song in this moment? This is the first step. This song is a first step for some of us to simply just move and say, Lord, I'm coming to you because I've had man's perspective, not your perspective. But I'm going to leave it up here at the altar today. And so church family, I want to invite you to stand with me. Okay? Curtis has worked hard on this song. He's he, he's. he uh, We've been praying about doing this song over several weeks. And I do. Uh, I know it's silly, but I do dare you to move. I got that image in my head of those big walls of water that were holding that God was holding back so that His could cross. And man, right now in this setting, for those of you who are prayer-minded people, I would pray and ask you to pray with me that anything that is trying to keep people from moving, any kind of thought or attitude that's pushing, God, that we would push that back and that there would be a straight pathway to the altar. but as a people, we believe together. It's in Christ's name that we believe.